When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Hour 2 of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports on the air. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins this week. He is on the bye week. Oilers not back on the ice until Monday, this coming Monday. Open practice at West Edmonton Mall from 3.30 to 5. Autograph session from 6 to 8. The show will be down at West Edmonton Mall to take part in the proceedings. It'll be a busy time for sure. Then the Oilers' next game will be a week from tomorrow at home against the Calgary Flames. 6 o'clock is an extended uh, face-off show time, and 8 o'clock is the drop of the puck, Oilers and Flames. That game might be uh, a tad nasty and a lot of hype around it. Or maybe not. Uh, NHL scoreboard tonight. We are watching what's happening in Boston because the Bruins are playing the Golden Knights. They're tied at two right now uh, with about 13 minutes left in the third period. If the Knights win this game, they will leapfrog three teams, including the Oilers, and jump into first place in a very tight Pacific division. That would drop the Oilers down to third spot. The Winnipeg Jets, they're down 3-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes. They're three points back of uh, the uh, playoff cut line, which technically is the Arizona Coyotes, but there are four teams tied at 57 points. The Oilers, the Flames, the Knights, and the Coyotes. Other games going on tonight. The Flyers up one nothing on the Pittsburgh Penguins late in the second period. In the uh, first period of play, the Hawks, who are also three points behind the uh, playoff cut line in the West. They're 0-0 with the Florida Panthers and the Rangers. And uh, Islanders playing in New York at Madison Square Garden. Islanders up 4 nothing on the New York Rangers. Well, we all remember it well. April 6, 2019, Connor McDavid crashes hard into a post, um, checked on the play by Mark Giordano, who basically just is just trying to do his job, but unfortunate accident, and it didn't look good at the time. I came upon this yesterday like a lot of people did, and uh, let's give you a little bit of a, little bit of a preview of what uh, we're going to talk about. I thought my leg was in, in two pieces. I was just worried to stand up. I thought my leg was just going to give away. You know, our fear for Connor um, throughout his career so far is he's going too fast. I, I held it together until we got through the tunnel, and, and I, was, I was a mess. PCL's cut right in half. Here at the back of the knee joint, there's a lining. It's completely torn. He's torn many other things. Not only a bone bruise, but a crack in the front of his tibia. And basically he said that the doctor told him that if he didn't have surgery, like now, he needed surgery. There was no question of that. I gotta make this decision at 22, and I gotta make it in 24 hours. It was already scheduled, the surgery was, was scheduled. We knew if he had surgery, it was gonna be a, it's gonna be a 10 month rehab. To go a non-surgical route with that severe of an injury, I've never done that before. He certainly questioned whether or not he would have a career, whether he would play at the start of the season. I looked at my calendar and I said, training camp? And he said, yep. And I said, okay, we've got work to do. Connor McDavid made the decision. 
he wanted to rehab this. No one has done what, what Connor has done to rehabilitate himself back from a serious knee injury in that period of time. That is a trailer, excerpts from a trailer of from uh, whatever it takes, the story of Connor McDavid's major injury and journey back, the director of the project, a familiar name here uh, in Edmonton, of course, it's Don Metz. Don, nice to talk to you again. How you doing? Oh, what happened here? Let's do that. Let's try that again. Hi, Don. How you doing? I'm great, Dave. Can you, how's that? I can hear you now. Uh, it's been a while since we've chatted. And, uh, you know, when I saw this trailer yesterday, um, it came out of the blue for me. I'm sure it came out of the blue for a lot of people. And I'll tell you, it took me a while to kind of understand what I was listening to or watching, especially the description of the injury. I think my jaw was on the floor for a good two, three minutes here. There's stuff that I never even realized, and then there's some things that kind of made sense. Okay, so that's why Connor McDavid was very tight-lipped about the injury in some respects. But uh, tell me about this project and, uh, you know, telling a very uh, tough story, but, but a redemption story too. Yeah, this is a story of conflict, resolution, and celebration. Um, I came into this project, not really the project, but I came into this situation as a friend of Connor and his agent, Jeff Jackson, uh, back in April 8th when Connor was coming back from Vail, Colorado, when he had his second opinion. And uh, Jeff Jackson just phoned me and said, Messi, get over to the house. And I didn't think that there was any issue. I didn't know how bad this was. And Connor walked in and literally fell into my arms and was uh, distraught. He was crying. And I was, oh, what's wrong here? And so uh, I quickly realized that this is quite serious. Um, it, we never even thought about doing a documentary at that time. And it wasn't until well into uh, September that we, we decided that with the 1,300 iPhone videos that were shot from the various doctors and scientists, that this would be a good story to tell. 1,300, eh? That's, yep. that's quite a lot of video to, uh, to have fall on your lap like that, huh? <laughs> well, we, we, uh, my co-producer, Pollyanna Hartwood-Brown, and myself, we uh, gathered up 68 hours of footage and cut it down to 47 minutes of content mm -hmm. that will be on Sportsnet this Friday and Saturday and then uh, a week later on NBC. But it was, uh, it, it, we really had to pour through a lot of footage to try and piece together a story that, uh, you know, uh, walked you through the journey of what happened here. The big thing was is that we never really knew um, – well, we knew in September, but they never really knew if he was going to have surgery or not. Right. So, um, you know, it wasn't until probably well into July, August, where they still were thinking this could be surgical. And uh, the, the magical thing about this is that, you know, after 179 days, uh, he was able to naturally heal a, 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 a busted bone, a PCL, uh, a, a, you know, other, other damage to his knee, which was uh, serious. Like, if you remember... Um, Steve Stamkos, when he ran into the uh, 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 bore, into the uh, net, mm -hmm. he uh, broke his leg and was out for 45 days. And it's arguable. And Steve's a great guy, great hockey player, but probably not the same level of his uh, uh, competitiveness now because of the surgery. Surgery is very damaging. And so that was something that really scared Connor as a 22-year-old. Um, is he going to come back the same way? You know, the, the, the uh, one voice we heard in that trailer was from Gary Roberts, who uh, he, he trains Connor McDavid in the offseason. Um, and he said the concern that we had about Connor McDavid is he's, he's, he's going too fast, which is the, the, the skill that, and he has a, a, a ton of skill, and there's so many things that 
that when we look at Connor McDavid, we're just amazed about. But the speed is definitely probably at the top of the list and how the concern was always that speed could be at some point a detriment to him. And that seemed to scare the heck out of uh, his camp, if I'm reading it correctly. Yeah, you are. But um, the, the big, the, one of the big elements of this story is often you see Connor score a goal and you go, how did he do that? And so mm-hmm. um, in, in the rehabilitation programs that he had, normally when these uh, athletes, especially the hockey athletes or any athlete, any professional athletes, when they go on their offseason, they're, they're working out two hours a day, five, six days a week. Connor had to work seven days a week eight to ten hours a day, and he had to go through about uh, 14 or 15 different disciplines that involved hyperbaric chambers, uh, gymnastics, Pilates, underwater training, uh, a variety of things that they would never do in their normal off-season training. And, but because of this, what, what has come out of this is that they are starting to d- discover that this is a way that they would like to train off-season. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you a quick little story, and probably should, but you know, the Pilates uh, teacher uh, from this school, which they want to call be called core uh, body specialist, um, they had six uh, NHL players of the top 20 in the league that they were uh, training. The only reason those NHL players were there is because they were injured. Uh, Max Domi came in and said, uh, you know, I want to be able to do that crossover. I want to get to the right. I want to get in there. And she said, well, the first thing we have to do is get rid of your glutes. So they're starting to shape these bodies like Cirque du Soleil, like figure skaters. They're starting to say, well, if you want to do those kind of moves, we have to work that way on the offseason. Wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that that you know, because because we haven't really heard about that as you know about about that type of training or that type of uh, what what you're describing here. So that that's really interesting. And uh, we're joined by Don Metz here. He's the director of Whatever It Takes: The Story of Connor McDavid's Major Injury and Journey Back. Uh, what I think is going to be really great about this, and and you can speak to it more than I can, obviously, is. We're going to see Connor McDavid in a different light here, and but when you were working through this project, and and like you say, uh, in July it was still unknown, and we're going to have to do surgery or not. What did you learn about this individual um, going through the the downs of this, and going through the grueling work, and then coming out where he is now, where he is at an amazing level, uh, and having a, a tremendous season, and, and is on the cusp of 500 points for a 23 year old. This is amazing as far as his NHL career goes as far as career points. Connor McDavid is a special human specimen. This guy, when I talk to the Pilates teacher, the gymnastics teacher, the underwater, the hyper, this guy dedicated, like he worked so hard. He did like 62 hours of uh, Pilates, uh, you know, some 40 hours of hyperbaric chambers. He, he was so dedicated. Seriously, this is eight to 10 hours a day. Nobody works like that in the off season. And everybody said, we can't believe how hard this guy worked. He did not want to go into surgery and he was determined everybody kind of looked sideways when he said i want to make opening night they said eh, maybe a season and a half from now right but and that didn't really that that trigger didn't really happen until mid-september can we speak about as well the cooperation you receive from the edmonton oilers because i mean this can't happen without their without their blessing to go you know this this amount of detail and 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 to tell the story so so well and I, i'm looking forward to this um but tell me about their co- cooperation with uh, with general manager ken holland and others oh they were spectacular i mean i have a history with uh, you know the oilers and we have a trust between us you know uh coming from oil change and being associated with the orders for some 30 plus years 
And so they knew that, um, you know, I was going to tell a story of collaboration that started with the Calgary Flames, uh, then went to the Edmonton Oilers and all their doctors and all their medical staff. And then they brought in the specialists that were led by Dr. Mark Lindsay, who, uh, you know, he, he trains on his, in his world. He's training uh, uh, Kevin Durant. He's training NFL players. Uh, you know, some of these NFL players and, and, and basketball players were saying, hey, uh, how is you going to just work with Connor all summer? And, uh, you know, how about us? Um, but the, the team that Dr. Mark Lindsay put together that started with the collaboration and understanding uh, and cooperation from the, uh, from the Oilers uh, involved like some 15 specialists. And uh, they built a compound to uh, a couple hours north of Toronto in Aurora. And uh, that's where they rebuilt Connor. It's amazing what the human body can do these days and what the human spirit can do. Well, yes, and I, I appreciate you saying that, Dave, but it really was about the human spirit and sheer will to, like, he, everybody kind of, I don't want to say they doubted it, but they went uh, training camp, uh, uh, opening night, sure. I, I, but this was really, it wasn't until, like, the first or second week of September, uh, you know, when uh, uh, coach head coach Dave Tibbet said to Connor, uh, how many... Uh, preseason games you want to play and Connor said seven and said, uh, no I, he says, and Connor says I want to get going he ended up playing two and Connor will admit in the show that he wasn't that good he wasn't that good in the first game although he scored the, the goal in the first game but this is about his sheer will this guy did not stop and you know it, it wasn't like I said until first week of September that opening night was in the sights so this will air, this is whatever it takes, the story of Connor McDavid's major injury and journey back. Uh, I understand it will air Friday after Sportsnet's coverage of the All-Star Skills Competition, and it's going to air throughout uh, other select times over All-Star Weekend, correct? That's correct. We have it uh, airing at least four times on Roger Sportsnet, and then uh, the following week it will be on NBC on the national games, and we're very fortunate to have that uh, um, uh, strategic alliance with NBC. Um, you know, this is a story of collaboration, of sheer human uh, uh, determination and will. And uh, when people watch this, they're going to go, this is what it takes. This is what it takes to, to get healed naturally. Don, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and talking about this project. Can't wait to watch it. And uh, all the best to you, okay? Thanks, Dave. That's Don Matt's director of... Whatever it takes, a story of Connor McDavid's major injury and journey back. You know, a lot of things kind of make sense now. Uh, I remember, uh, I, I actually, it's rare that I do this during the football season, during the Eskimo season, but I remember working in Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, and and the day was, it was sometime in August, and Connor McDavid was at the BioSteel camp in Toronto. Mid-August, yeah. Mid-August, that's right. And he talked about the injury. And he didn't go into too much detail. He says, do you think he'll be ready for opening night? He says, I think so. You know you know how Carter McDavid talks. He's mm -hmm. very short to the point. Yeah. Um, wouldn't get into any detail at all about the injury. And then all the reports out of Toronto said, oh, this is more serious than first thought. Well, it was pretty serious. So that was correct. He may not make opening night. And then... Edmonton Media, who we trust more because they're around the team more and in constant communication with the Oilers Brass, said, look, he may not play any preseason games at all. Yeah. He may not play opening night as well, but we think he will play opening night. What, he end up playing, what, two, three preseason? I think two. I think he yeah. played the final two. Yeah. And, yes, he had he struggled in the first part of the season, whatever struggled means in Connor McDavid's world. 
And you look at him now, and I don't know how he's able to attempt this. I mean, I wrote it down quickly. His PCL was cut in half. He had tears. He had a crack in front of his tibia and opted out of surgery. If he would have taken the surgery, we may not have a Connor McDavid this season. So I don't know if this can be attempted by very many people, but Connor McDavid found a way to do it. And I can't wait to see this. This is going to be on my PVR. It should be on yours. For Oilers fans right now on the out-of-town scoreboard, the Boston Bruins late in the third. They lead the Golden Knights by a score of 3-2. to two. So if the Golden Knights lose, nothing changes at all in the Pacific Division. So the Canucks would remain in first place with 58 points. The Oilers tied with the Flames for, 57, or for second with 57 points. But they would get the second spot in the division right now because they do have a game in hand. Vegas would stay in the first wildcard spot with 57 points. Arizona, also with 57 points, would be in the second wildcard spot. The Jets right now, they're losing 4-1 late in the third to the Carolina Hurricanes, so they will remain three points below the playoff cut line. The Chicago Blackhawks in action. Uh, They're tied 0-0 with the Florida Panthers as uh, the Hawks are also three points out of the playoff cut line. You can uh, text in at 630-630. This texter says, I think no one of, I think no one, I think one of the factors is his age. He's a young guy, still growing boy. No else should, no one, nobody else should attempt this. I I do agree with that. That's a, it's a rare feat that Connor McDavid uh, was able to pull off. Another texter says, I'm so shocked that the club was okay with this. That really speaks to Holland's way of building trust with players. This is as much uh, Holland as it is McDavid's team. Amazing. That is very true. I do agree with that. Richard says, it's a falsehood to say that the Pacific Division is the weakest. It is the most even division. And it doesn't have the standout of all the other teams in the Pacific except for one or two that are quite good. I do agree with that. I, I don't think there's a team that necessarily jumps off the page, but there are teams that are very good. It speaks to kind of, there's parity in the Pacific Division. And I, I think we can all agree to that. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics, spun with a modern twist. Eskimos finalized their coaching staff today. They bring in Kelly Jeffrey, who has over 20 years coaching experience in the CFL NCAA at U Sports. He's the quarterback's coach, although I'm pretty sure that he will also uh, listen a lot to what Scott Milanovic has to say as the head coach of the OC. Uh, Jeffrey's going to help in, with special teams. Most notably, uh, he coached at Mount Allison University in uh, New Brunswick, and he was named uh, Coach of the Year three times. Uh, last uh, last decade. And Terry Eisler is a familiar name with the U of A Golden Bears and the Edmonton Eskimos. He's coming back as the running, back, running backs coach. We will hear from Terry Eisler next half hour. We'll also talk more about Larry Walker's call to the Baseball Hall of Fame. In his final year of eligibility, 75.6%. He is in the pride of Canada and, of course, Maple Ridge, B.C. Campbell in for Wilkins tonight. <laughs>
show. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight and for the rest of the week. This portion of the show brought to you by the Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 505 star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Very, very late in the third period of play. In fact, the final seconds are now ticking away. And one final rush by the Golden... I'm not doing live play-by-play. I'm just... Loosely telling you what's happening. It's over. The uh, Vegas Golden Knights lose to the Boston Bruins by a score of 3-2. So, nothing changes in the Pacific Division. Status quo. Oilers remain tied for second, technically in second spot because they have a game in hand on the Calgary Flames. And Vancouver remains in first with 58 points, one point above the Oilers. Now the shoe flips after the All-Star break, I believe, where the Oilers can actually make some separation on Vegas because I think Vegas gets the bye week after the All-Star break. Kind of weird that there's one Pacific Division team playing. (laughs) It's easy to keep track, at least, but yeah, it is quite quirky. I mean, we're unbalanced right now Mm -hmm. as far as teams. That'll change when Seattle comes in. We'll have 32 teams. We have 31 right now. So someone had to draw the short straw. I guess, and it was it was Vegas who, I mean, they're struggling. They are struggling. So um, they lost four in a row at one point, lose again tonight. So they're kind of scrambling, not scrambling, but they're still in the playoff hunt. And the good news for them is that the Jets are losing 4-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes, so they remain, uh, the Jets do three points back of the final cut or the uh, the uh, playoff cut line in the West, the uh, Hawks and Panthers are just underway in the second period. They're they're zero zero. The Hawks are also three points back of the playoff or the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Flyers up two nothing on the Penguins. They're early in the third period of play. Final in. Uh, uh, New York, the Battle of New York, the Rangers and Islanders, and it goes to the Islanders as they win by a score of four to two. So there you go. And of course, the big story today is Larry Walker's call to the hall. He is going to Cooperstown in his final year of eligibility. Four years ago, he had 15% of the vote from the uh, Baseball Writers of America who were who vote for uh, the Hall of Fame inductions every year. And he rose to 75.6%. No one has ever risen that quickly in a four-year span. Uh, and a lot of people are going to talk about, a lot of people on that committee, they were very divided about Larry Walker, thought he was you know, a good player but not a great player. And that he benefited from all that time as a Colorado Rocky playing at Coors Field, and we know that's a hitter's ballpark. Had Dave Van Horn, honored to have Dave Van Horn on the show in the first hour of the program, in the first half hour, former television voice of the Montreal Expos, currently the television voice of the Miami Marlins. And I said, Dave, it irks me that people talk about, oh, you played at Coors Field in Colorado, that, that kind of skews your numbers. Well, uh, it, it did me as well, and it does a lot of people. Uh, nobody said that Ted Williams was Ted Williams because he played in Fenway. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody has made comments about uh, the players that have played at uh, Yankee Stadium, which had a short port. And uh, Coors is Coors. And, and, and Larry excelled not only in Coors, but on the road as well. So 
I, I think that uh, Larry Walker's admission into the Hall of Fame is going to change a lot of thinking now uh, by a lot of people. Larry had a terrific, of course, he won several batting titles. He had a 348 batting average in his home park for 10 years. That was Coors. But he hit 278 on the road. He hit uh, just under 170 home runs, if I if I remember correctly, uh, while on the road hitting 215 uh, at home. That included his Montreal totals as well as uh, the, uh, uh, the the Rockies. But I, I think that it's a fallacy. I think people got caught up in that whole course field thing and have punished a lot of players for that. Um, and they they don't talk about players who play in other ballparks that are certainly favorable to left or right-hand hitters or hitters in general. So uh, maybe this will put that to bed. So Dave Van Horn talked about Larry Walker being a 278 hitter on the road. That's pretty good. And I mentioned the OPS stat, which is uh, basically a stat that combines your ability to hit for power and to hit to get on base. And Larry Walker over his career is over 900, which is very good. If you're over 900, you're doing something right. That's fourth best in uh, Major League Baseball history. and Or you could say fifth, because there's four players technically ahead of him. Mantle and Ruth and Ted Williams and uh, Joe DiMaggio. All-time, like, legendary yeah. players. It's ridiculous, <laughs> isn't it, Kellen? My goodness. His uh, road OPS is um, 865. That's better than Ken Griffey Jr., Reggie Jackson, and Dave Winfield. Again, a couple more all-time players on that group, too. And, you know, hitting on the road is more difficult than hitting at home. It's just the way it is, the road home, road home, that sort of thing. So, But uh, Dave Van Horn just just admires the, the hitting ability of Larry Walker. Larry was, without a doubt, and I, I've broadcast major league games now for 51 seasons. This year will be number 52 for me. Larry was the best instinctive baseball player I've ever seen. He had a great natural feel for the game, remembering that as a youngster, he grew up playing hockey, not baseball. But he had such a great feel for the game of baseball, the way the game would flow. He was not only an outstanding defensive outfielder, as everybody knows, had a strong arm, could cover a lot of ground, but instinctively he came up with other things. He, he was the first outfielder to really perfect the move in, in right field of showing the hitter that he was going to catch the ball when he knew the ball would be over his head and off the wall. And he took some extra bases away from a lot of hitters by playing a ball like that. On the base path, I can't remember him ever making a mistake. I'm sure he would uh, tell us about the times he got thrown out on the base path, but boy, they were far and few between. He was a, a terrific base runner and probably the best of his era. And uh, unfortunately for Larry in, in his last year as an expo, 1994, when the team had the best record in Major League Baseball, Larry was hurt that year, and he missed 90 games. 
But in the 103 games he played in, he hit 322 with 19 homers and 86 runs batted in. Uh, not bad at all. Uh, Larry Walker receiving officially 76.6% of the vote, uh, second Canadian to be elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame. The first was Ferguson Jenkins back in 1991, who received 75.4% of the vote. Derek Jeter going to the Hall should have been unanimous. 99.7% of the vote. Somebody was a... Somebody's got the grudge. I think so. Uh, Russell Wilson tweeted not too long ago, one vote, show yourself. Who are you? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Eskimos fill out their coaching staff. Uh, Terry Eisler is coming back as running backs coach, and he's well-versed in uh, you know coaching teams that have the color of the green and gold. Was a special teams coordinator with the uh, Eskimos in 2013, defensive and special teams assistant in 2012. 2007 to 2009, he was running backs coach. The post he will uh, uh, take over now from Tim Princeton, who served in that role for the last four seasons. Uh, he was with the Riders last season, but he's also spent 12 seasons with the U of A Golden Bears football team. Running backs coach from 94 to 2000, offensive coordinator from 01 to 06, special teams coach from 15 to 18, and he is back in the color of the green and gold uh, color that uh, Terry is uh, very familiar with. Absolutely. Uh, I've been involved uh, with both programs, University of Alberta and the Eskimos, uh, on and off uh, throughout the years. And My wife, obviously, has been coaching uh, volleyball at the U of A. So, yes, uh, uh, very excited to be back and, and looking forward to uh, the football season and certainly the offseason to prepare. Well, uh, under the phrase uh, or beside the phrase, uh, you can go home again, I think there's a picture of you because you have come home quite a few <laughs> times after you have left. And you, ha and you haven't left too often. Uh, before we talk about uh, what it was like for you in a, in another football hotbed, and, and it's a big-time hotbed in Saskatchewan, tell me about the, the chance of, of coming back to the Eskimos. You're the running backs coach, uh, a position that you held uh, uh, from 2007 to 2009. Just tell me how it all came about, Terry. Um, well, at the end of the year, I mean, December is always a tough month for coaches in the, in the CFL because you're not sure of, of your status. And uh, um, I got a call from uh, a friend, and and uh, he asked if I was interested. And, and uh, Scott uh, asked for permission to talk to me because I was on a contract with uh, Saskatchewan Roughriders. And so he did. I, I came back home, obviously, and, and uh, I had an interview with him. And, uh, as he was putting his staff together, he gave me a call two days later and offered me uh, the running backs position and probably help out in special teams, an area I've been uh, working in the last three or four years. So Yeah, for sure. That's uh, kind of how it unfolded. Yeah. Uh, with Scott Milanovich, I mean, a lot of people... Uh, that that we that I've had the chance to talk to over the last month since he's been hired just uh, just speaks volumes about about the individual and you know you have a very happy starting quarterback in Trevor Harris and that just trickles down uh, to to the rest of the football team right now. But in your conversations with Scott Milanovic and I don't know how much time you've had a chance to, to talk to him before this, but uh, what really stands out about about Scott? Well, the the first thing uh, first and foremost. Uh, He's, he's a gentleman. Um, he treated me with a great deal of respect. Uh, and uh, I, I, I haven't worked with Scott. Uh, I've seen him operate. Um, looking from the outside, I know he's a great offensive mind. Uh, he certainly would be great for the quarterbacks as well. Um, so I think he's going to be um, a great asset for this organization, certainly from an offensive perspective. Um, and and I, I really haven't had a chance to, to talk with Scott uh, and get to know him that well just yet. 
But uh, we do have an off season, and that's certainly my goal is to work with him and and hopefully get involved in the run game a little bit. Um, but yeah, he, uh, good things to say about Scott. Uh, he's been wonderful at this point. Um, I think, uh, like I said, uh, he's going to be an asset for this organization. And, and and to pick someone's brain like like Scott Milanovic, who has uh, a long and a deep pedigree in the CFL and and what he has learned from the NFL uh, and coming back here, I mean that's got to be exciting as well. Well, I think it is for all the staff, and uh, you know he's picked his staff uh, uh, from people that he's worked with before. And, uh, I know some of the guys were from the uh, Ottawa staff that he's worked before, I believe. And um, so I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, John, uh, the offensive line coach, and, and uh, uh, AJ, uh, the special teams coach, uh, they speak highly of, of uh, Coach Milanovic. And, and um, so, yeah, we're all excited. I mean, this is the time of year that uh, you can say all those things that don't mean a whole lot, but uh, <laughs> uh, we got to, you know, prove it on the field. Um, you know, certainly. Um, once we get in the offices and, and get to work on preparing. Yeah, it's the best time of year for everyone in the CFL because everyone's zero and zero and full of optimism. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, Terry Eisler yeah. joining us, uh, new running backs coach for the uh, Edmonton Eskimos, uh, coming back to the green and gold. Uh, he's been with the U of A as well, uh, but he's coming back to the Eskimos. Uh, last time he was with the uh, Edmonton Eskimos was back in 2013, but he's had a, a couple of other stints as well. Uh, you come back into the fold here with a lot of green and gold flavor, and uh, Scott Milanovic, obviously this is his first uh, foray into Edmonton and into the Eskimos and into the, the culture of the, uh, the green and gold. But what's it like for you to, to, especially to rejoin like someone like Noel Thorpe, and then you mentioned AJ Gass, who is, uh, you know, a, kind of a rising coach when it comes to uh, special teams and being a special teams coordinator. Uh, you know, it's going to be, I think, a lot of fun. Noel is a friend of mine. I worked with Noel um, back in the day, and and certainly I've had some opportunity to be with AJ for one year. Um, we were both working uh, kind of as grad students, just learning the business at that time. Um, but, yeah, I've talked to AJ a number of times. Uh, we ran into each other. and uh, You know, it's going to be um, uh, a lot of fun. He's new at special teams. I know that. He, he, his players play like him. Um, very tough, very aggressive. Being on the other side of the ball in Saskatchewan and watching special teams and doing a lot of breakdown. Um, we were, uh, the Eskimos were a physical group on the field and um, some of the games that they they played certainly the one that comes to mind is against Hamilton at the end of the year um, they battled with Hamilton and physically Hamilton is is uh, on paper a very big strong team um, I, I think AJ did a wonderful job with uh, that group this year um, or sorry past last year and, and will be even better this year uh, Noel Thorpe a lot of experience um, you know on, on the defensive side of the ball um, Noel was a special teams guy to start with. That's how he broke in the league. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, Noel's defense um, is respected throughout, you know, uh, coaches in the league, and, and Noel is uh, an asset for sure. Uh, I think it's going to be a good group. Um, I haven't had a chance to meet with them other than a few days, so uh, I look forward to that uh, coming up here. So it's very exciting to have uh, Terry Eisler back in the fold of the green and gold, this time of the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, prior to this season, he was in Saskatchewan as a special teams coach, uh, learning from someone like Craig Dickinson, who was the head coach and special teams coordinator. So Terry Eisler uh, back in the fold. And 
Kelly Jeffrey, quarterbacks coach, special teams assistant. He's the quarterbacks, uh, as I mentioned, QB's coach, special teams assistant. Uh, I'm sure Scott Milanovic will be handling a lot of the offense, obviously, as the offensive coordinator, but uh, Jeffrey will work with the quarterbacks as well. 20 years of coaching experience in the league, NCAA and U sports. Uh, he actually was brought in by Scott Milanovic in 2016, special teams coordinator with the Argos that season. Prior to that, Jeffrey coached at Mount Allison University as a QB's coach, offensive and special teams coordinator uh, head coach from 2018 to 15 or sorry 20 uh, 2008 to 2015 and uh, also has was the OUS coach of the year three times and the 2014 U Sports Coach of the Year. So he comes with uh, some good credentials. So uh, the coaching staff's filled out. Uh, A.J. Gass, Special Teams Coordinator. Noel Thorpe, Defensive Coordinator, Defensive Backs. Terry Eisler, Running Backs Coach. I mentioned Kelly Jeffrey. Demetrius Maxey, Offensive Line. John McDamell, Offensive Line. Winston October, Wide Receivers and Pass Game Coordinator. Derek Oswalt is a Defensive Assistant. So there's a lot of green and gold flavor to this coaching staff, which I think is a good thing. So uh, later on the week, uh, looking to do this tomorrow, we'll hear from Noel Thorpe. We'll hear from A.J. Gass as well. tonight for the rest of the week. Reed will be back on Monday as the Oilers are back as well. Open practice at West Edmonton Mall from 3.30 to 5 and then autograph session from 6 to 8. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports will be down at West Edmonton Mall to take part in all of the fun. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid heading to the All-Star Game in St. Louis. Next year, the All-Star Game is going to, drumroll please, Florida. I had something for that. One sec. Oh, uh, did you? Oh, I'm sorry. So anyway, completely useless news of the night. <laughs> there we go. I jumped the intro. That, hey, uh, I'll try and get that better for next time. Oh, my goodness. This is only day two that we're working together here, Dave. You're I'm starting trying, to figure yeah. you out, and you're figuring me out. And That's we're true. Good, so. That's true. I'm By Friday, we'll be awesome, and then... Yeah. That'll be it. So yeah, we got we got time here. So I wonder if that'll invoke more players players to go to the All Star game. Ooh, you know, yeah, I think Ovi would go. Although I hear St. Louis is a pretty cool town. So yeah, yeah, you get pretty good barbecue in St. Louis. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So yeah, McDavid Drysaddle representing the Pacific Division mm. with Matthew Kachuk of the Flames. Interesting. What did Leon Drysaddle say last week? Yeah, that he if. Uh, they were thrown out together for a sh- uh, shift on the ice or something like that. Uh, he would sit on the bench and I'm just gonna, let Tichuk skate it out there by himself. Going to get off the ice. That's what he'd say. This is the equivalency, and we're longtime wrestling fans. This is the equivalency of, like, Survivor Series yeah. back in the day where some of the heels and faces would put, <laughs> be put together. This is Survivor Series 95 with Shawn Michaels and Diesel, or not, or sorry, Shawn Michaels and Sid and the one 2 free kid on the same team and Psycho Razor. Psycho Sid and, has power bomb. Exactly. Shawn Michaels. So. Oh, my goodness, what has happened? He turned <laughs> on his teammate. But they don't like each other. So. I saved the wrestling reference for the end of the show tonight, everybody, so there we go. <laughs> Joke's on you. Text uh, coming in from Vic. Free agency in the CFL is going to be huge again this year. Richard. Text in, glad to hear the new Eskimo coaches are in place, but how much work needs to be done with the roster? A lot. Quite a bit, yeah. There's guys signed, and there's a lot of guys that are not signed. They have over 33 free agents. Not all of them will be back, and action's going to pick up, I suspect, probably in the beginning of February. 
the lack of the coaching staff in place kind of delayed things. But now they're they're in place. They're evaluating the roster, and I'm sure we're going to see some news here very, very soon. Good news on the scoreboard tonight in the NHL. Bruins beat the Golden Knights 3-2, to two, so they remain at uh, 57 points in the first wildcard spot. Just ahead of Arizona, who also had 57 points. Oilers technically in second, 57 points. Tied with Calgary, but have a game in hand. Vancouver remains at 58 points. Tomorrow on the show, Kelly Rudy, our weekly chat analyst for the NHL on Rogers. Jonathan Willis from The Athletic. More from the Eskimos coaching staff, A.J. Gass, Noel Thorpe. Have a lot of fun tomorrow. For Kellen Kennedy, I'm Dave Campbell. Adler is next. Good night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.